Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 2, Episode 22. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. And uh, for anybody that owns a Switch, go buy KOTOR 1 if you haven't played it. I guess that's literally what I did, like, all Saturday. <laughs> so it's a fun game, uh, especially if you've not played Even if you played it before, I've played it a ton of times. Uh, but it's great. It's 15 bucks. Really cool Star Wars. And, oh, it's Knights of the Old Republic, too, uh, for the whole name of it. Definitely worth more than 15 bucks, And it's a really cool way to get some cool Star Wars lore and hopefully inspire some fun things you can do for your game. Yeah, it's de- that's definitely one of those classics. I have not played it myself yet. I've tried to get it on the PC, but it was a, a janky version. Um, it just wouldn't work. But how, how's the, I don't know if it's a remaster or whatever, on the Switch? Does it seem pretty pretty good? So, yeah, so uh, for in terms of, like, um, not clunkiness, but, like, in terms of, like, uh, if it running smoothly, runs perfectly. I haven't had any issues with it. Uh, the graphics are still, like, I mean, maybe, maybe a little touch-up, but it, it still looks like the Xbox, or original Xbox generation, I should say. So they're not great, but story's phenomenal. Uh, the combat is, it's D&D. It's like, I think it's, was it? It was either Saga or 3.5 they converted over into Star Wars, and it's running, it's really running D&Ds. So each attack you make, they roll a dice. Uh, you can miss with a 1, crit with a 20. It's like, you don't get to see the dice being rolled, but they even reference it in some of the in-game stuff. So it's kind of cool to see, you get to pick feats and all that. It's like a D&D game really just made, or D&D made into a video game. So it's really cool in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I, I started with like online MMOs, Lord of the Rings Online, and, and when I came to playing tabletops and I realized the relationship between those and they're literally like the same thing. It was so super cool. So that's awesome. Very cool. Definitely check that one out if you haven't. Uh, so welcome to today's episode. We got a good one. We're getting into Starships, uh, long awaited, I'm sure, as we touched on a little bit last week uh, in the preview. Uh, we think that the rule set's kind of at a point where we can discuss this now. There's not any big sweeping changes coming so uh, we know a lot of people in there are trying to dive into this and we want to hopefully uh, make that easier for you to do so before that on our end uh, announcements and whatnot as we do uh, please check us out dungeonjedimasters.com for links to all of our uh, content out there this podcast of course our youtube channel uh, twitch channel for live plays uh, we have instagram and twitter for conversations and uh, instagram we put out some uh, plot hooks and, and maps and roll tables things like that and then uh, of course we have our patreon which uh, goes to support creation and hosting of all of our content things like that and uh, as a supporter you do get some content exclusive content for that we have some new members there i'm uh, Tier two, we have Matt and Brian. Thank you. And then tier three, we have uh, Thomas, Javon, and another Thomas. So two Thomases joined up in tier three. And uh, the big differences between those, uh, they both get the exclusive content. Tier three gets that a little bit earlier. And tier three also gains access to our play by post game. So if you want to play a play by post game, uh, you have access to that as well. 
we like to do a freebie and we try to get a freebie out every month and it's kind of going along with the last episode on companions and then just in general uh, we're going to put out a compact character sheet that i designed uh, so to be just a little bit easier to use uh, if you're familiar with the system it helps uh, be quick and easy to look at and probably really good to use for a companion as well it's not all going to be a bunch of pages it's just quick and easy uh, as companions are not necessarily as involved or you're going to be paying attention to those as much so keep an eye out for that freebie to everyone and uh, coming up here at the uh, beginning of next month Tegan we do have our final adventure in the Alderaan campaign yeah, so this is going to be the kind of the adventure that brings it all together. Uh, you and uh, your players are going to be hopefully retaking Alderaan uh, if your players are up to the task. So uh, hopefully this will be the last of the uh, point adventures. So you've completed all the other in-between five sessions or four sessions in between. Uh, your players are going to be leveled up but kind of ready to go. And hopefully they'll have what it takes to free Alderaan from the Empire and uh, kind of restore balance. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun to put together. And, uh, you know, now that all the pieces are there uh, for any of you that have not picked this up yet, great time to grab it all at once. And then you can play that out uh, as you see fit. But we finally are here at that conclusion. Looking forward to it. Uh, for tier three members, you will have access to that on the 30th of November here. And then tier two will get that uh, opened up the week after on the 7th when we have our next episode podcast episode as well. I believe that's everything on our end. Uh, there are a couple new releases for the Star Wars 5e system. Uh, Tegan, over to you first with uh, some new lightsaber forms. Yeah, they've got some pretty sick ones. So these are some new lightsaber forms. Uh, they're going to be moved into the PHB on the next uh Big update there. Uh, so I'm not sure when that's coming, but it will be on the website before that. But it will be in the PHB for the kind of main manual as well. Uh, there's not ha they don't have guardian classes yet for them, but those are coming soon as well. Uh, the four new ones they're they're fun though. There's some cool stuff you can do with them. Definitely some fun builds you can either make with a guardian or another force using class uh, to really round them out. Uh, first one, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the name. I believe it's the. Bukini hand form. Uh, so this is a great way if you wanted to build, uh, especially if you're going for a guardian or even like a sentinel, uh, you wanted to build an unarmed fighting stylist, uh, you can get some fun things with this. Uh, basically, you just use it. So bonus action to use, as they always. Uh, nice thing, though, is if you do use your bonus action to adopt the form, uh, if you took the attack action, you can still use your bonus action to make an unarmed attack. Um, nice thing to, one thing to remember, though, if you're building this, you need to be able to make an unarmed attack as your bonus action without the form. Uh, so it's going to be a great one, uh, even for monks to pick up. Uh, that could be a good fit there. Or if you do pick it up, make sure you pick up the brawling fighting style so you can still you can use that unarmed attack. Uh, but on top of that, uh, you get so until the next end, end of your next or start of your next turn, uh, when a creature enters your reach uh, or moves while within your reach, you can use reaction to attempt to shove the creature. Uh, on a success, you can shove the feature 10 feet away from you instead of five. Uh, so definitely a cool one for monks because you're going to be using your bonus action pretty often uh, for unarmed attacks. This can be a good way to make sure you're people stay away from you because you're squishy uh so definitely a good fighting style to take a look or a good lightsaber form to take a look at and be a good fit for force sensitive monks um outside of that you've got the trip zest form uh and basically 
Once you activate it, still use your bonus action to activate it. Uh, and once before the start of your next turn, uh, you're going to have advantage on a melee at weapon attack against a creature that's frightened of you. Uh, so good for certain guardian forms uh, or even certain force users who are going to be using fear-based uh, force powers or features pretty often. This can be a great way to get some extra advantage on those attacks. Uh, outside of that, we got two other ones. You got the Twilight form. Uh, this one's a pretty cool one. Uh, as a part of the bonus action to adopt this form, you can mask yourself within the force uh, and attempt to hide from a creature that you can see. Uh, so just one creature, uh, but it allow you to make a dexterity stealth check contested by their perception of that one creature within five feet of you. They gotta be that five feet too. Uh, on a success, you become invisible to that creature into the start of your next turn or until you attack, cast a power, uh, or take any hostile action, whichever comes first. Uh, one thing I'll point out, though, to players, um, remember, invisible is not hidden. Uh, so they won't be able to see you, but unless you use a hide action somewhere within there, they'll still be able to make attack against you with disadvantage. So just a heads up on that side. I know that comes up pretty often, but definitely a sweet form, especially if you're squishy or want to really make it harder to hit because disadvantage is pretty key there. So that can definitely um, make a miss if you use it well. Um, and then finally, we've got the um, Zeng Wan form, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, and that one will, till the start of your next turn, uh, when a creature enters your reach or moves while within your reach, you can use a reaction to leap to an unoccupied space you can see within 10 feet without provoking opportunity attacks from the creature. Uh, so another good one for monks or sentinels, counselors, anybody in those squishy classes, uh, this can let you kind of use the maneuverability and hopefully play keep away with whoever's trying to hit you. Fantastic. Some great additions there. Uh, lightsaber forms as we t discussed on previous episodes, you know, it's a very cool uh, aspect of the system. So check those new ones out. Uh, the other new release that came out just recently is the is a new subclass uh, archetype for the Berserker, the Armored Approach. This one is pretty fun. So basically envision yourself with spiky armor. Uh, the Armored uh, approach for this uh, level three, when you take this archetype, uh, you'll gain proficiency in armor mechs implements, and that allows you to modify your armor, customize your armor, uh, light or medium into spiked armor. Uh, you need to have that armor and the implements, of course. Once you do so, your armor gains the barbed property. Uh, the barbed property says, when you succeed on a check to initiate or maintain a grapple while wearing armor with the bar property, the creature takes damage, kinetic damage, using the barbed damage plus your strength modifier. And uh, the barbed damage here for this is 1d4. If that uh, already has that property, it goes up one step. So d4 to d6, etc. So very cool there. Um, while raging, you can add your rage damage bonus to the barbed damage when you successfully initiate or maintain a grapple. So really just piling it on. Additionally, while wearing the armor, the spiked armor, you can use your con modifier instead of dexterity. So Berserker, you might have a, a heavy con build as it is. So that's going to just help further increase your tank ability. And uh, lastly, at level three, while wearing your spiked armor, uh, you can also utilize it as an improvised weapon. So that can definitely come uh, into play there. And, uh, and also, if you've made uh, an attack action um, on your turn with one attack with the armor, you can also use your bonus action to make an additional attack. So you get a little extra there. So lots packed into even just level three there. Uh, looking next at sixth level for this approach, the environmental shielding, very cool. 
you can choose one of the following damage types they list and gain resistance to that. Uh, and then over the course of a long rest, you can change types. So if you know you're going into a certain situation, maybe you can adapt that. Very cool there. Uh, and then also gain advantage on con saves against exhaustion um, to extreme heat or cold. Another good thing there. Quickly touching on the last two aspects at 10th level uh, is just going to allow you to further customize your armor, gain things like better AC, things like that. And then lastly, at 14th is spiked retribution. Uh, when a creature within five feet hits you with a melee attack, they're going to take damage um, because of that armor. So just another... Uh, another cool feature of that. So Berserkers, check this out, this new approach here as well, and uh, sharpen up those spikes. With that, we can head into our episode proper, getting into Starships of the Galaxy. As we talked about, Tegan, you know, this is such a core piece of Star Wars, you know, starships and, and space battles. So, of course, it's something that players and DMs are going to want to bring into their game. And uh, the first iteration was pretty good, uh, but there's things to be improved on. And I think a lot of that did happen. Uh, but there has been, you know, admittedly, I think in the community, uh, some resistance to this new system. Um, and in our experience, you and I finally diving in and using it here and there, it's maybe not that bad. It's just kind of getting over the hump. And then once you get into it, thing the pieces kind of fall together um let's talk about the major changes from the first system what are the things that stand out with the new starships of the galaxy definitely it's definitely a hump to get over but once you get in there and have the ship built and kind of everybody knows what they can do it's it's super easy to get into uh there are a couple big major changes though from the system before um one of the crucial ones uh is that your ship has all six stats now uh before i used to just have strength dexterity constitution uh but with this update they've added in intelligence wisdom and charisma as well uh, and each of them have like a different function uh aboard the ship and have have uh, different skills tied to them as well, uh, since your ship will now have skills. Uh, so like uh, for perception for the ship, you've got scan, uh, where intelligence is probe uh, for the, like uh, if you were doing like investigation and there are a lot of different skills like that that kind of align with uh, kind of different stat lines from the regular Star Wars 5e and some that are just brand new to ship stuff as well. Uh, like uh, strength has a cool one called uh, boost and ra ram uh, for that too. So some fun ones you can kind of add in there. Uh, and nice things you kind of build a ship just like you would a PC when it comes to those stats. Uh, you can either do the standard array or point by, or if your DM's the adventurous, you can do the roll for it as well uh, and kind of go through and uh, as either a group or if one PC is a little bit more interested in the ship side of things, they can go through, or even if your DM wants to do it for you, uh, they can go through and kind of assign what stat goes where and kind of how they want the ship to, to look for it. One thing too, so as we mentioned, the ship will have skills. So traditionally, as you're going through your adventure or in a battle, uh, you'll be using those ship skills and stats for that. So it won't really rely off your PC stats. Uh, traditionally, uh, you'll just use those ship stats. Uh, now, depending on um, this kind of as a case by case situation, depending on the skill and situation, the rules do allow for some stats to be utilized as the PC stat. Uh, traditionally, unless you have a, so there's some ventures that allow you to do it without the disadvantage, uh, but traditionally, if you do use those, you will roll that skill at a disadvantage. Uh, so just uh, something to keep an eye out for, and uh, those ventures, which we'll go into later, can be a great way to boost that, especially if your character's an expert or just really good at something and you want to make sure you can use your stats versus the ships at disadvantage. 
definitely a good way to kind of balance it out and make sure you're at a good spot for it. Uh, but majority of the time, you will be using the, the skip skills and stats uh, to role, uh, kind of role play as a ship as you're going through. Outside of that, a couple other major changes with this, uh, power dice. Power dice, it's a cool system uh, for this system, uh, kind of uh, with the update, and this is kind of brand new uh, to the kind of the game. They did not have this for starships before, uh, but now with power dice, you're going to have, they're going to be totaled up. They're going to equal or have the, the ship's going to have a set number of power dice, and depending on what equipment and things you purchase, it'll determine how many of them they have, uh, as well as how often they refresh. Uh, but each class will have something they can do within the ship uh, that'll spend those power dice, uh, and they can get a little extra bonus to them. Uh, they're kind of like maneuvers, uh, as you can think of the power dice with. Uh, but the thing uh, about them is they're going to be used off the ship and they're going to be used collectively. Uh, so it's kind of cool for encouraging conversations at the table. Uh, if we do I want to use the power dice here and kind of getting some feedback from your other players. Uh, but it kind of encourages a little more strategic thinking as you're going through uh, and making sure that you're getting the best use of your overall ship power dice. Uh, so we'll go into a little bit more as we go through the deployments. But this is a major change for them. And you'll see them uh, throughout the deployment section as well as equipment and other things. So it's definitely something to keep an eye out for uh, and to keep in mind as you're building your ship. Uh, determine how much of them you want. Do you want them to be able to be distributed everywhere? Because there's certain items that can either have them keyed at certain spots or have an essential location. So just different things you should keep an eye out for as you're going through just to really make sure you're getting the best use of your ship's abilities. Yeah, it's a very cool concept there with the resource and the power dice uh, is said. And then another thing probably touch on more as well is I think this was it kind of was a house rule with the first Star Wars Starship rules, but it's worked into this system is a group turn. Uh, so the the on your turn, you have one turn as a group, you're not separate initiative order. And that just to your point, Tegan, about uh, discussing use and things like that, it's kind of built into the system as well as having those conversations. How do you want to use your power dice and things like that? So it's uh, just one other thing is that it's really encouraged this group play. Um, and so you're not just pilot moves, gunner shoots, etc. You, you There is that coordination, which I think uh, is, is a good addition as well. Uh, what else we got here with some major changes? Uh, the last two big ones, uh, level ups are done a little bit differently with this system. Uh, kind of similar, but it's a few changes to uh, what it was before. Um, big one now is you're going to, when you gain level, you gain one eight hit die for both the hull and shield points. Uh, so depending on how your group does it, you can either take average of the hit die and each tier has a teach type of ship has a different hit die for them, uh, or you can uh, roll them uh, depending on how you like to do it. Uh, you'll also gain uh, two ABI for each tier upgrade. Uh, and I should say for the level ups, those are tier upgrades for your ship. Uh, so each time you go from a one to a two to a three or four, uh, you'll gain that hit die increase uh, for both hull and shield points, uh, as well as two ABI for each tier. Uh, they can slot wherever you'd like for the ship. So definitely give some customization for and some opportunities to kind of get those built out. Uh, and the last major change, this is definitely one I want to call out because this is one that will trip you up if you don't pay close attention in the rules. Uh, so attacks and damages are done a little bit weird. And for a lot of 5e people, this could be a little different than you're used to for it. Uh, so for attack rolls, it's not because they're not going to have the same stat. So they have two different stats, wisdom and damage. For your attack roll, it's going to be your wisdom mod added to the attack roll plus proficiency. Uh, so you basically with uh, wisdom on the ships, it's kind of your scanners targeting. Uh, so basically it's kind of going over how well your ship can get a bead on whatever you're trying to shoot at. 
Uh, but for the damage side, if you do hit with that wisdom roll, uh, it's going to be your strength mod to the damages. Uh, so just something to keep in mind in there. I know that's uh, how uh, Path or Pathfinder does it similar with different stats for it. Uh, and just other systems kind of do something similar, but 5e is usually same stat for each role. So just kind of pay attention to that. The rules call it out, but it's one that if you're kind of quick reading, it's easy to miss. Uh, and the other big thing, and this is a major change from the old Starship rules, uh, is that uh, for a weapon on a ship, so if you had quad lasers and uh, maybe you got some front uh, twin lasers on the ship as well, each weapon can only take one attack per turn. Uh, so if you shot your quads, you couldn't shoot that twice. Uh, you can only just shoot one weapon once per turn. Great. So lots of uh, big changes here, uh, things to keep in mind a lot, I think definitely for the better uh, to help improve this system. Uh, so just keep that stuff in mind. Of course, you know, read through all that and uh, see what's different uh, if you're coming from the original version, of course. So uh, let's keep going, though. Uh, one of the big parts of this system, of course, is going to be the deployments. That is basically the class for your character uh, in the Starship rules. So there's uh, six total uh, up from five from before. And so we modified one of them and, and gained a new one here. And uh, we won't go over each one specifically. They generally are all going to have the same format, if you will. There's five ranks uh, levels for each one called ranks. And uh, you kind of gain the same similar uh, elements, attributes in each one at each uh, level across. And they're just specific to that deployment, of course. So, uh, Tegan, let's talk about, uh, so there's deployments. We have the coordinator, technician, gunner, pilot, mechanic, and operator. Mostly self-explanatory. But uh, the two ones that are new and or adjusted, coordinator and technician, will go over and uh, kind of tell you specifically what uh, the differences are there with those. So let's dive in with uh, those new deployments. Definitely, yeah. So uh, coordinator got a real heavy makeover on this side. Uh, coordinator before, and the other one was one of the ones I've heard from at least different players at my table. It was kind of lackluster before. There was you could definitely give people a lot of help actions, but it wasn't really uh, it wasn't fun to play. It kind of felt like you're just uh, really kind of saying a few pieces and kind of passing the turn on. Um, they've done a good job of adding a lot more abilities and just things that the coordinator can do to make it feel like a, a good tactical portion of the group. Uh, and this is especially if you wanted to play like a, a good commander style or tactician, this is definitely the class I'd recommend for you because uh, there's a lot of fun things you can do with it. Um, one of the biggest pieces, uh, as we mentioned before, each class has its own power dice uh, that it can use with its abilities. Uh, for the uh, coordinator, you're Power Dice is going to be the collaborations. Uh, and those collaborations are just different things you can do uh, on the ship uh, by spinning a Power Dice to uh, help your team out or debilitate debilitate the other team. Uh, so your power dice are traditionally going to be located in the comms. Uh, so those are all, actually all of them are located in the comms for your power dice options. Uh, as you go through, as I mentioned before, these are like maneuvers as a, a battle master tactician. Uh, so you can go through and select a first level, two of your choice, and you learn an additional one each level or each tier up, I should say. Uh, so definitely keep an eye out for those and see what would be the best for your PC. But you can do things like um, bolster your allies. I uh, got to give them a little extra power dice to, uh, to roll to whatever they're doing or attempt to frighten your enemies. There's a lot of cool things you can do to really change the layout of the battlefield uh, with this class now. Uh, but as you guys go through, and one thing you'll see with each of these 
uh, deployments, each time you gain a new rank, uh, you get a venture automatically. So you get to pick a different venture from the customization list on that side. Uh, so that's cool. You get a lot of flexibility and customization towards and can really make it your own with that. Uh, but as you go through with the coordinator, uh, each level up, you get something new as well. Uh, so for that first level, you get your uh, coordination die. Uh, but after that, you get to uh, level rank two, you get Uplifting Directive, uh, as well as Inspiring Display. Uh, uplifting Directive, it's pretty much uh, a port and die. Uh, so basically, you're going to roll a d20, uh, note that d20 uh, at the end of a long rest, and note whatever your result is down. Uh, and basically, uh, whenever uh, an ally makes an ability check, attack roll uh, affected by your direct action, you can replace the result of the roll uh, with your d20 uh, that you rolled earlier that day. So cool, can definitely be good for some crucial moments, uh, just to make sure you're kind of giving the best aid you can to your allies. Uh, past that, you've got inspiring display, uh, and basically this one's a pretty cool one. Uh, this is a once per uh, long rest ability as well. Uh, but basically, you can spend a minute giving your allies an inspiring speech, uh, and when you do so, you can do a grant a number of ships equal to your proficiency bonus temporary hull points equal to your charisma modifier. Uh, so if you do have, like, if you guys are rogue squadron and you all have your own X-Wings, uh, you can give them uh, all a little bit of a boost uh, to, with your charisma modifier for it. Uh, you can also grant a number of crew members uh, within your own ship uh, up to your proficiency bonus. Uh, a inspiring display die, uh, and that's uh, a d6. Uh, and once within the next 10 minutes, that creature can roll the die and add the number to one ability check, tack roll, or saving throw. Uh, and they can do it after uh, the d20 has been rolled as well. Uh, so definitely a good way just to really make sure your team's going in there, full firing all cylinders, and make sure they can do the best job they can. Uh, after that, at rank three, uh, you get Rallying Cry at a Masterful Directive. Uh, rallying Cry, bonus action. You can uh, kind of extend a Rallying Cry to all those who hear you uh, and, and choose a number of creatures equal to twice your Charisma modifier. Uh, and each of those Charisma uh, creatures gain an Inspiring Display die. So kind of that die I just went through. Uh, and they're going to get that die until the end of your next turn. Uh, and this is another one you can only use once per long rest, but that can be a crucial ability, especially since it's twice your Charisma modifier. Uh, and as a coordinator, you're probably going to have a pretty decent charisma modifier. Uh, after that, you got the masterful directive, uh, and basically what that's going to allow you to do uh, is you're going to roll. Uh, when you have you roll uplifting directive uh, as part of your direct action, you can use your bonus action to increase your uplifting directive number by an amount equal to your proficiency bonus. Uh, so it just allows you to kind of bump that up a little bit uh, and get some more creatures involved in there. And just really make sure you're hitting as much of your allies as you can as you're going through it. Uh, nearing the end there, we get the fourth rank, uh, Commanding Presence, as well as Contingency Plan. Uh, for Contingency Plan, uh, while aboard your ship, uh, you can choose two allies instead of one when you take the direct action. Uh, and the direct action, too, for this is basically like the help action, so as long as they can see or hear you, you can, they can get advantage on there. Uh, so this will allow them to uh, get, uh, just get a few more people in there, too. Uh, and you also have that commanding presence. Uh, you'll learn a new way to use your inspiring display. Uh, while aboard your ship, uh, any creature that can see or heal you uh, that fills an ability check, 
attack roll or saving throw, you can use reaction uh, to aid that creature. Uh, as long as they didn't have or use one of your inspiring die, uh, the creature then can roll the dice and add it to the results. So you got to make sure it's somebody that you already haven't given an inspiring die to or that's not used one this turn. Uh, you can give them uh, use the inspiring die as a reaction. Uh, and then finally, that last tier, so fifth tier is uh, that maximum for the rank, uh, the, the ranked tiers for the deployments. Uh, you get Paragon Coordinator and Leader Extraordinaire. Uh, and basically, Paragon Coordinator, you're kind of near the top of your game there. Uh, so whenever you expend a, powering die, a power die or inspiring display die, you can use a D4 and instead of expending a die. Uh, so basically, you can use that D4 for free, but you can only use it once per round. Uh, so it allows you to keep your resources better in check, but still get some cool effects for your crew. Uh, and then for Leader Extraordinaire, uh, you can regain all expended use uses of your inspiring die, rallying cry, commanding presence uh, when you finish a short or a long rest. Uh, also, whenever you roll an uplifting directive, you can take the maximum instead of rolling. Uh, so that's pretty sweet there. It's kind of make sure you can really get the most out of it. Uh, as well, it's uh, finally whatever creature uses your inspiring die. Uh, so if you gave an uh, inspiring display die to one of your allies, they can also take the maximum instead of rolling. Uh, so it's some pretty cool stuff you can do if you ever make it to that fifth tier. Yeah, Coordinator uh, is definitely seeing a lot of improvements from what it was before. I think players will enjoy that one. Uh, the other new one here we'll go over uh, is the Technician. Uh, Tegan, tell us uh, what this deployment looks like. Definitely. So this is a new deployment, so brand new to the system. Uh, and basically, this is going to be the guy that coordinates the defenses of the ship. Uh, so the shield uh, projectors uh, and just different items to make sure your ship's projected uh, as while you're going through a pitched battle. Uh, so this guy, uh, so you get adventure, same thing, adventure each rank. Uh, but at level one, you're going to get defense stratagems. Uh, and basically, that's your special dice that's going to be uh, your power dice for your position. Uh, all of your power dice for your this role are going to be located in the shields. Uh, so they're going to be doing different things you can uh, do to either enhance your shields, uh, redirect some of the damage, reduce the damage, uh, or even uh, ways to uh, keep your shields up if they would have turned off. Uh, that's a big thing too with this one. If your shields get taken out, they're down until you go through a, a repair facility to boost them back up. So this can be a great way to keep those shields at least in fighting shape until you can uh, defeat whoever you're going against. Uh, so that's where you get a level one uh, as you go through as well. Uh, each rank, you get some cool new stuff. Uh, rank two uh, for this technician, you're going to get quick region and shield tech. Uh, and with the quick region, what that's going to allow you to do uh, is boost up uh, your shields a little bit more. So when you take the boost action for shields, uh, you're going to have advantage on that strength boost check. Uh, if you had advantage already, you can instead re-roll one of the dice once. Uh, so that's going to be great on that side. And one of the new actions you can do is boost either shields, weapons, or engines with uh, your action. And this is just going to make sure that you as the shield technician that you're basically able to do the best job of that and really make sure you can really get the most out of them uh, throughout your conflict. Uh, also, uh, rank two, you get ship technician. Uh, so when installing new equipments or upgrades, uh, you count as two members of a workforce instead of one. Uh, one of the things you'll notice, and this is the same as the old style too, so we won't go too much into it, uh, but adding modifications, uh, increasing tiers, um, adding equipment, all have a set amount of time and a certain amount of workforce they require. Uh, so this will just allow you to uh, get that done a little bit faster since you're pretty much count as two people as you're going through it. 
Uh, also, rank three, uh, you're going to get dependable damage control as well as reroute power. Uh, reroute, reroute power, uh, basically what that's going to allow you to do is when your shields are fully depleted, you can use your reaction to immediately restore a number of shield points equal to your intelligence mod. Uh, this is a once per long rest ability, but as I mentioned, shields being depleted, that's a, a long lasting thing for your ship. So uh, being able to use a reaction to stop that at least once per uh, long rest can be pretty significant for your crew. Also, uh, rank three, you get that dependable damage control. Uh, so whenever your ship would make a constitution saving throw, you can take the maximum instead of rolling. Uh, so this is another good one, especially if you can hit something with a hard constitution saving throw, uh, you can just say, nope, we don't need to roll that, take the maximum, uh, which should hopefully help you save on that side if your DM's being nice, uh, and get you out of there. Um, this is also a short or a long rest ability. So this is a good one to keep in wait, especially to see what, you're, what, what the enemy's throwing out at you. Uh, rank four, uh, you get the Rapid Repairman as well as Last Resort. Uh, for Last Resort, basically, uh, whenever your ship's making a destruction saving throw, uh, so similar to the old style, uh, whenever your ships get brought down to zero shield points and zero hull points, uh, rather than making death saving throws, you're making ship destruction saving throws. Uh, but with Last Resort, you're going to be able to add uh, the ship's constitution modifier to the roll. Nice thing is it's a minimum of one, so even if you guys didn't put constitution points in there, you can at least get a plus one to it. Uh, and whenever, uh, so this gives you a little bit of bonus there uh, on that side. Uh, it also, whenever you roll a HD to regain hull points or shield points, uh, the minimum number of points uh, they can regain equals twice the ship's constitution modifier, minimum of two there. Uh, so definitely some good ways to both heal the ship and hopefully keep it from blowing up on you if you get uh, beat down a little too far. Uh, you also get Rapid Repairman. Uh, so at fourth rank, uh, whenever you take the patch action, you can choose to forego your proficiency bonus. Uh, if you succeed on the check, you can expend two hold die instead of one. Uh, so for each hold die spent this way, roll the die and add the ship's constitution modifier to it. Uh, so another good way just to keep the ship moving and hopefully uh, get a little bit more uh, HP and shield points back uh, to your, your vessel as you're going through. Uh, last one, fifth rank, you're going to get two abilities, uh, Paragon of Defense, as well as Supreme Save. Uh, so Supreme Save, uh, you learn to quickly isolate massive damage on your ship. Uh, as a reaction, uh, when you'd otherwise uh, be reduced to zero hull points, you can reduce your hull points to one. So this is a long rest feature again, but this is a great way to keep your ship from going into ship's destruction saving throws, which are pretty nasty and hard to get out of. So this is a good way to stop you from getting there and hopefully give you enough time to get to hyperspace or get out of there. Uh, and then you also have Paragon of Defense, uh, which is similar to the other fifth tier for the coordinator. It allows you to use your power dice uh, as a D4, and instead of actually expending a power die, uh, you can use that once per round. Um, also, whenever you take the boost shield or patch action, uh, when you would restore a number of shield points or hull points, you can take the maximum instead of rolling. Uh, and you could uh, use this feature before or after making the roll. Uh, and once you use it, you have to make a short rest uh, to get it back. Uh, but it's another cool one to make sure you're getting the most hull points or shield points back uh, for your, your new vessel. Awesome. Yeah, lots of good stuff there in the new technician deployment. Uh, in, in the rest of them, you know, follow a similar 
uh, spread in regards to their ranks and what they offer, um, of course, just unique to them. Uh, the technician, I believe, is a little bit of a split off from the mechanic. I think the mechanic originally encompassed some of the things that the technician did now. Uh, running through the rest of the deployments, uh, the gunner obviously is going to be the one manning the guns. Uh, they're going to take the shots. Uh, and they have, uh, I believe the gunner is called gambits that they have to be able to enhance their things. Uh, pilot, of course, they're going to be uh, the ones piloting the ship, controlling the movement and tactics. Uh, they have uh, tactics is their uh, special pirating procedure that you gain there. The mechanic, which is the deployment that controls the energy production and flow of the ship. So if you need to boost your shields, boost your weapons, the mechanic is going to manage that. And then lastly, the operator. Uh, they will be used to, you know, manage the the systems, communication systems, sensor systems, things like that to help interfere, locate the enemies uh, in that regard. So uh, going a little bit further too with the deployments, um, most most any deployment on a starship is going to have access to to generally all the same uh, actions that you can take in combat and otherwise. I, the only other instance is the pilot. The pilot does have a, a pretty extensive list of its own unique actions that it can take, uh, such as attack run. Uh, so generally it's stuff that is related to the movement of the in piloting the ship. So run through, you know, all those actions in combat, of course, and, and make sure you understand um, which ones, you know, apply to your deployment or don't. So uh, there's been a lot here uh, to talk about. And we're, as we said, we're going to have another episode uh, to, to continue and wrap this up. But one little last piece here, it's a little bit more on, uh, you know, I'd say maybe the player side, uh, as we, we talked on the deployments, Tegan, uh, the customization options that we have here, the, some of the styles and the ventures. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what's available in that regard. Definitely. So this is one that as a player, I'd really make sure you take a good look at this because uh, there's a lot of cool ways to make sure you're getting the most out of either your deployment, your own PC stats, or just even get some cool features you can do um, outside of that. Because um, as I mentioned, uh, you're going to be usually using the ship stats just as your base, uh, but these ventures are going to be like feats that you can use uh, to allow you to do either use your own stats or get some bonuses to different roles. Uh, so really go through them. There's a lot of different options you can pick, but there's just really a lot allows you to customize it to yourself, uh, especially too, if you're like a caster as well. These are some cool ventures you can take to uh, get either force casting, uh, space space force casting or space tech casting. Uh, so you're able to use those and affect other ships because they expand your radius and allow you to do some pretty sweet stuff with it. So if you've always wanted to do a uh, pull a Palpatine and conjure a big force storm, uh, take some of those space casting options and you'll be able to hit some ships with it too. Uh, so ventures are a big one to go through and you get one of those each rank up. Uh, the other big thing too are gunners. Um, you're going to get fighting styles, which will be in that customization options uh, section as well. Uh, so similar to a fighter, uh, you get different gunning styles you can pick that'll uh, give different options and abilities to kind of the different way that you want to gun. So highly recommend checking those out and really picking something that fits with uh, where you want to go for your PC. Awesome. Yeah. So great to just have that further customization available. Uh, so the ventures, as you mentioned, you know, basically a feat for your, your ground game class. Um, so definitely go through those. There's a lot of options there. And, uh, as we kind of get to the end here, I mean, there's so much stuff that we still have yet to cover. As I said, we're going to try and touch on that more in the next episode. Uh, we haven't even touched the starships and there's of course a lot of pieces that the players, the deployments will interact there. We'll uh, try and touch on that as well. 
Uh, Tegan, any other initial thoughts though for part one of our Starship discussion? Uh, definitely. Um, so big thing I would say, and I hope uh, this will help everybody too. Uh, there's a lot that goes. It seems like a lot that goes into it at first, but once you kind of get the ship made and kind of get up and running, uh, it's not super hard to go through. So uh, that'd be the biggest piece is either if you as a DM or have a player make the ship, uh, and then just have a couple like a uh, easy scenario for them to start off with, so you can kind of see the different options and things. Uh, but it definitely it becomes easier the more you go through it. Absolutely. Yeah. You get over the hurdles of, of making the ship, as you said, things like that. And then you're just playing the game. And it's, uh, it's a lot, uh, a lot easier to, to take. So, all right, well, that's going to wrap us up uh, on our first part of talking about Starships of the Galaxy. We're going to come back in the next episode uh, at the beginning of next month and uh, wrap this up. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, from a DM standpoint of putting encounters together, kind of running those. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the ships a little bit more that we didn't get to today and uh, just round out that discussion so that you guys can jump in and and uh, begin having those space battles because they are a lot of fun once you get into it. Well, as we wrap up, just a couple more announcements uh, for content on our end. Uh, first, this Thursday, the 18th, will be episode two of Scattered Choices. Listen in to find out where Tula and Hugo's story continues. You can find that on our Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast channel. And also, Tegan, next Tuesday, the 23rd, will be the finale of the Hunted Campaign. Yeah, definitely. So the uh, the Hunted Campaign will be coming to a close uh, yeah, next, uh, November 23rd. Uh, so definitely come jump on and see uh, see how the crew fares against the other two wounds in the forest. You're going to see a Darth Nihilus appearance as well. So uh, check it out. It should be a fun one. The crew is level 20, so they've got like ridiculous abilities. So it should be a cool one to see. And hopefully Roll20 will cooperate a little bit better than it did for us last week, too. So uh, hopefully Roll20 gets it together. <laughs> Yeah, you always got to struggle with those technologies. But, uh, you know, as a player, it's been a lot of fun. And level 20 is so bonkers, but it it's fun. And uh, I think uh, it'll looking forward to it. So that is on the 23rd, as we mentioned, Tuesday uh, at uh, 730 Eastern time is when that starts. So mark your calendars and that'll be on my Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Todd Moon Bounce. Uh, with that, otherwise, check out DungeonJediMasters.com as usual for all of our content. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And uh, to all of our followers, subscribers, and Patreons, uh, thank you. And we'll see you on the next one. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.